You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 218 of Podcateers. In this episode, we talk about what we ended up doing the day of Gavin's last art show. We talk about new attractions coming to Hong Kong Disneyland. AMC and IMAX will once again be celebrating 10 years of Marvel Studios with another film festival. And as Pixar Fest is coming to an end, we talk about what we feel worked and didn't quite hit the mark for us. Make sure to check out podcateers.com slash 218 for photos, videos, and more info on things that we talk about in this episode. A huge shout out and thanks goes out to our podcast fairy godparents, or as they like to call themselves, the FGP squad. They help make these episodes of Podcateers possible through their support via Patreon. If you would like more information about becoming a fairy godparent of our podcast, head on over to podcateers.com slash FGP. To everyone on the FGP squad, thank you guys for your support. You can connect with us on social media by heading over to podcateers.com team. There you will find all of our personal social links. Make sure to also check out our videos on YouTube. We're at youtube.com podcateers and youtube.com slash Disney for two. Oh, and we are planning on doing a listener questions episode and another would you rather episode very soon, just like we did in episode 217. If you have any questions you'd like to ask us as part of one of those upcoming games, send us an email to comments at podcateers.com or join the conversation over on Instagram, Facebook, or on Twitter. Just search for podcateers. Okay. It's time to do this podcast thing, so here we go. This is episode 218 of Podcateers. It's recording time. Recording time for Podcateers. <laughs> Ooh, Gavin, let me have some of that coffee. All right, here you go, buddy. As he slides back. <laughs> I need a I need a refill for my coffee. My here, my coffee have, cup. Have Ooh. a sip. Ooh. Dude, your coffee smells good. What are you Cheers. brewing? It's a uh, Sumatra blend Ooh. from Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf. Wow, snazzy. Nice. Uh, it's I, quite delicious. I am having uh, a Dominican blend that I don't remember Ooh. where I purchased. <laughs> I'm having Expedition Roasters because that's all I have. Nice. I don't want to open my cone of coffee yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cone of coffee is pretty yeah. expensive, especially if you get the real stuff. Mm-hmm. I bought myself yep. a couple of bags from a company in Hawaii for my birthday earlier this year. It's full bean. Any time that I can help getting a full coffee bean versus the ground, I always mm-hmm. opt to get the coffee bean because you always sure. have that fresh flavor. And I yeah. like grinding the coffee. I have one of those little burr mills and I, I just mm-hmm. sit there and crank at it sometimes. And it's oh. part of the enjoyment of creating a, a fresh French press uh, of coffee. And of course, I have the regular drip coffee when I need to make more and stuff like that. But yeah, $57, I think, is what I spent, including shipping for 24 ounces of 100% Kona coffee. (laughs) And thankfully, a a lot of that was subsidized by gift cards that I received for my birthday. 
Nice. And so I was able to essentially purchase that for myself. And it helped a lot that I have uh, colleagues that are so into coffee as well that Mm -hmm. when they knew that I was going to order from this company, they said, oh, uh, let me give you some money so you can order this and this for me. How would you like to split the faster shipping cost? And I was like, sold. Yeah. (laughs) So I was going to spend like a good eight bucks on standard shipping. But for $20, we split that cost and we were able to get it in two days or three days or something instead. Nice. So it was a win-win situation. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. It's tasty. Have you ever had actual Kona coffee, Gavin? I have. Yeah. Yes. Have you guys uh-huh. also had the Jamaican? Mm-hmm. Yep. No. No? It's very similar in flavor profile. Yeah. It's got some similarities to it. I like both of them. Uh, you know, they're not my favorite origins. You know, I, I really prefer the African origins mm-hmm. uh over anything like especially ethiopian and um kenyan kenyan is really but, good yeah uh but yeah they're really good i love them i just at that price you know it's just like eh, it's nice for a treat every couple years or so yeah i don't understand why it's still so uh exclusive i guess or premium because i feel like there are coffees that are just as good mm-hmm. that are you know, a fraction of the costs. I agree with that statement. It's all reputation and status, I guess, at this point. I would say so. You know, they say that the climate has a lot to do with how the coffee is grown and the flavor profile mm-hmm. that it ends up with. And that's why at for a long time, the Kona and the Jamaican Blue were held at such a high regard because the soil from the volcanic ash and how the temperature is, humidity, etc. Mm-hmm. It just gives it a really smooth a flavor profile it's a really chocolatey yep. taste you know but there's a lot i mean at, at this point i've seen so many growers in california produce an amazing bean and the flavor mm-hmm. profile is just exquisite compared to yeah. you know a lot of the other stuff that i've paid much more for two or three times more and some mm-hmm. of these roasters are i would say semi-local they're you know four or five hours away if you drive and you buy directly from them like central california but i i agree with you gavin i think there's so much stuff out there that's almost better than paying for that (laughs) and you're getting a lot more bang for your buck yeah it's just so much pressure when you spend fifty dollars on a bag of coffee and you you brew some and you drink it you just want to like there's just so much pressure to really really enjoy that cup you know (laughs) and it's like i don't i don't know Sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it's not. I I like the experience when you can go to like a nice restaurant, have a nice dinner, and then they have that available as a coffee to like finish with. Oh, okay, that's yeah. that's how I like to enjoy those types of premium coffees the best, rather than you know spending the money and having it at home. Yeah, like I'd rather just be out at a nice place and have that as a treat, like a dessert almost. Oh, with dessert. Mm-hmm. Or with, yeah, yeah, with dessert, yeah. Yeah. Like with a yeah. nice tiramisu. Mm, yeah. yeah. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> There's always that fear also that, you know, like you want to save it for a special occasion. And you keep thinking oh, to yourself, right. like, man, is Saturday a special occasion? Like, is Sunday <laughs> a special occasion? And then before you know it, three weeks have gone by and you haven't opened your bag of coffee. 
<laughs> so there's always that. Oh, that's awesome. But or you have a you have a luau and you brew Kona for all your guests. That is true. I mean, we have so many Ooh. luaus. Yeah, that, that would be expensive too. Pig, pig roast in your backyard, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last time we did that was what two weekends ago? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm very passionate about coffee. I've been for a very long time, and I'm one of those people that drinks their coffee black, and it just baffles some people because they're like, oh, you're drinking that burn stuff. It's like, no, it tastes good. Like, your problem is the same. This is my <laughs> argument with drinking black coffee is the same argument I have about craft beer, right? Some mm-hmm. people say, oh, the, the beer you're drinking tastes horrible. It's like, well, what are you drinking? Oh, I love Miller Lite and Coors Light. Well, that's Ugh. your problem. You're drinking horrible <laughs> right. beer. There is plenty right. of beer that tastes delicious, that has really great flavor profiles, and I feel the same about coffee. If you drink black coffee and you get something that has those notes of, of orange or cherry or chocolate or hazelnut, whatever, but it is an actual you know, flavor profile that it was grown to have versus being mm-hmm. added at the end, there's also companies that know how to create a roast and a grind that are able to integrate flavor where you can still have that flavor and it doesn't taste burned at the end like our friends at expedition Mm -hmm. roasters are a prime example of that most of the Mm -hmm. coffee that you buy pre-flavored you smell it when you open the bag and it smells great and then you brew it and then it tastes burnt you know, yeah. and the exception with what Expedition Roasters is doing is every time that I've brewed, like the Skipper's Brew, you have that banana essence. Like it's just there. Like you feel like you're mm-hmm. drinking coffee with bananas, you know, and that's something unlike anything I've had before. All the coconut flavored coffees that I've had, <laughs> but they're, they're tiki coconut. <laughs> I could drink that every day, all day because that coconut flavor is just there. You know, so shout out to our friends at Expedition Roasters because damn, that's good coffee. Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> but that's okay. We like them. So, you know, shout out either way. Heck yeah. So last night, guys, pretty fun times, man. Yeah. It was. What did you think of your first Center Street Anaheim art walkie slash listening to a swing band play in the middle of the street experience, Gavin? Well, it wasn't my first time because I was there for the Haunted Mansion show, remember? Yeah, but it's your first time as a Californian. And oh, I that's think true. It's your first time actually walking around and enjoying outside of the show because you spent most of your time in that's the gallery true. last time. Yeah. Yes, yes, good point. So I did get to partake in the whole Center Street Promenade art walk atmosphere thing. And we walked around and we looked at all the booths. There's lots of good crafts and arts and uh, lots of jewelry. Um, what else? Oh, lots of um, food and, um, you know, like just little boutique kind of tents around. And that was really cool. In the center, they had, like Hazen mentioned, a swing band playing cool jazz, big band jazz music and letting people swing dance. And yeah, it was a good time. The weather was beautiful and we had some good food, some, for me anyway, some good beers and <laughs> some great company. So it was, it was a great night hanging out. Yeah. Don't forget the tacos. We had some good There tacos. were tacos. Yeah. Yes. I had crepes. Crepes. At the, at the food truck that was there and it was pretty delicious. Which one did you have? 
I had the ham and cheese because they had savory crepes and dessert crepes. Oh, interesting. And so I had the ham and cheese, which was uh, ham and I think it was Swiss cheese and then like a Dijon mustard. And uh, yeah, it was really good. Charlie got a breakfast crepe, which had bacon and eggs and avocado and tomatoes. and uh, So it was like a breakfast scramble and a crepe. That sounds pretty delicious, actually. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. But then I smelled the tacos you guys were eating, and I kind of wanted tacos. <laughs> yeah, the tacos were good. Uh, I mean, they're a buck, right? Every time that they do one of these events, they're $1 tacos. So you got to take advantage yeah. of $1 tacos. I know. I, I wish we would have done that. Oh, well. Next time. Yeah. So shout out to fairy godparent Albert, who was out there, came to hang and support Gavin uh, for the art show. Heck yeah. It was a lot smaller than I was expecting it to be. Certainly not one of the larger shows that they've had. But Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, I think the highlight for me was definitely getting a chance to hang out with all of you because we just sat out there, had some beers, had some tacos, even though I wasn't supposed to be drinking. Um, (laughs) It's just one day. I know, but it's just... I mean, we all talked about it yesterday, but I shouldn't really be drinking. (laughs) It's not... (laughs) At least not until I'm like 100% better. But... Uh, I mean, it was a it was a good occasion. We got to hang out with some of our other friends before we went out to meet out with you guys. We went out to what's very similar to the Anaheim Packing House, but in Santa Ana. So they have mm-hmm. just a few locations, buildings with just a bunch of restaurants inside. And when I saw what they had on tap, I saw Noble Ale's Naughty Sauce. And I was like, ah, I need that right now. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever had that, but it's like a, like a very light beer, but it's a very creamy milk type stout that's Ooh. on nitro. So it's super smooth and it's got some coffee notes in it and it's just fantastic. Like Noble hit it out of the park with this one. It's one of my favorite drinks there. And I saw it on tap and I just thought, should I, shouldn't I, shouldn't I? It's like my, like the little characters on my shoulders were like, don't do it. Do it. Don't do it. Do it. (laughs) And I opted to do it. And so I know that I'm going to be paying for it over the next day or two, but that's okay. I had fun. I can't wait to get a chance to do that again. Hopefully we'll do it at the park next time. Oh, for Chalk Walk. That'll be the next time we're able to get a chance to get together. Yeah, it's right around the corner. I know. We'll be able to get together for breakfast right after. Yeah, We have a really cool. small group for Chalk Walk this year, but I'm really proud of what we were able to raise. Mm-hmm. Me too. I, I think by the time this episode goes out, we're going to be maybe about four days removed from the Chalk Walk. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you guys are listening to this on launch day, remember that it's not too late to donate. If you guys want to donate to any one of our efforts uh, towards our initial goal of $5,000, which we are at one-fifth of at this point. Uh, you can head over to the blog post for this episode, podcasthears.com slash 218, and you'll be able to see the donation buttons for Gavin, Melissa, myself, or even Disney for two. And just click on who you want to support, hashtag Hazen, and just, you know, <laughs> donate one, two, five, ten, twenty-five hundred, ten thousand dollars 10000 Tony Stark, Elon Musk, yeah, you know, <laughs> shout out, guys. <laughs> but yeah, I'm super excited about Chalk Walk. It's always a fun time. Uh, this will mark, I don't know what year it is. I'm going to take a guess and say that it's our 13th or 14th year doing it at, at this point. That's I don't remember crazy. exactly when we started, but we've been doing it for a really long time. And my wife was the one that turned me on to the whole thing. And 
it's just been amazing getting a chance to support uh, the Children's Hospital. We're going to start talking about our next event soon, and I think the next one that we're going to do is uh, City of Hope's Walk for Hope in support mm-hmm. in cool. support of women's cancers. And I, I know a lot of you might think like, ah, but you work there. Ah, that's self-serving. Some people might see it that way, but I can tell you from personal experience, just being there on a daily basis, seeing the faces of the people going through that and the family members and how many people's lives have been changed from the work that they've been doing at City of Hope. Uh, I truly Mm -hmm. believe in the mission of the organization and I just think it's a wonderful thing to get a chance to raise some money to help those efforts as well. So more info is gonna be coming up on that soon. But as far as this week is concerned, Let's try to knock this out of the park for Chalk. Let's try to raise a little bit more money and try to give them a nice little gift that's going to change somebody's life. And to everybody that's already taken the time to donate to all of our fundraising efforts, thank you guys. You guys are the true superheroes, and we value each one of you. Thank you. Agree. Yes. Big, big thank you. Every mm-hmm. bit of it is helps, and it feels great just to know that we're going to be helping out somebody you know, out there. So. Yeah awesome agreed all right so last night you know we we did the deadpool show Mm -hmm. but there's a little bit of news about some other marvel characters uh hitting the disney universe in hong kong disneyland they're getting a new ant-man and the wasp attraction why does hong kong seem to be getting all the cool stuff uh, yeah, I, I well, agree. <laughs> I kind of feel like like here there's so many rules about which characters can be on which coast and how they can use them and can they say Marvel? Can they, you know? Very true. It's like there's so many licensing and legality rules here that are, it's just insane. I, I don't envy those people who have to work uh, with these properties and untangle all that stuff. But I feel like in Hong Kong, they're unencumbered by a lot of that stuff. So they're able to just... You know, the Imagineers were able to just go over there and just do what they want, apparently. So the ride is actually, I found this out this morning. It's actually, they're going to go in and rework the existing Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters attraction that they have there. They're going to use the same ride system and basically make it over a la Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout Mm. and just make it feel like an entirely new attraction. Still going to be a shooting attraction. So you're going to still have that gameplay involved where you're, you know, trying to rack up a score, which I I think those rides are very fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully, you know, not a lot has been revealed, but hopefully they kind of upgrade that technology and, and make it a little more of a, you know, kinetic, you know, high energy type attraction because you know the one thing i don't like about buzz is it is a little bit plodding in its pace you know you're just kind of slowly working your way through these areas and if they can make it seem like things are happening faster um, you know make the experience more contemporary i think that would be really cool in any case it's just neat to get another superhero attraction do you think that the pacing of Toy Story Midway Mania is more along the lines of what you're talking about? Or is that even kind of drudging you through since you're right in front of a screen? Well, I do because I feel like while you're not moving any faster, you know, in, and in, in, in the actual shooting parts of Midway Mania, you're actually still. But the action on the screen, everything that's happening in that ride is so much more full of energy and fast paced that you feel the whole ride is more fast paced. Whereas with Buzz Lightyear, you know, it's like 
I mean, you're going about the same pace as like a doom buggy or a boat on small world and, you know, just kind of sliding through and, and there are some minimal animations to the scenes that you're encountering, you know? Yeah. But uh, I kind of feel like they're going to come in and, and really plus that and add some, some real movement to those scenes when they add these characters and at least that's my hope. And I can't wait to see uh, more imagery and, and artwork as it's being released. I'm sure we'll hear about it at D23 next year. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see. I, I'll, I'll be one of the first to be on YouTube looking for ride-through videos. <laughs> it's the same, man. I know you guys keep talking smack about it. But when you don't no, have I the don't. means, when you don't have the means to go and do it in person, that is the next best thing. That's true. That's true. I don't talk smack about it for all the international parks, but for Florida, it's like, man, come on. Still, I mean, Florida. look, it still requires money to go to Florida. <laughs> that's true. Right? That's it's not true. like, oh, well, here's twenty bucks. Go to Florida. Right? It's <laughs> oh, not that simple. <laughs> true. And especially true. when you have an entire family that you have to take with you, right? When you're going coast to coast, mm-hmm. it's not just a quick car ride. It's flights, extra food. There's the lodging. So, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. If it's just one person, then it's so much easier. You, know, you can pick them right. and go pretty much anytime that you want. You could take a yeah. red eye and save all sorts of money. And people with kids know that doing stuff like that is especially difficult because it's hard enough to get kids up at their regular time. There's no mm. way you're going to do it during a red eye, especially if they're yeah. in you know, carriers and stuff like that. So shout out to all the parents out there that have to deal with their kids <laughs> going to Disneyland or Disney World. I love you guys. I agree. I totally get what you're going through. <laughs> Well, I I wanted to kind of pose some questions for you guys about uh, the pending Marvel expansion in DCA Mm -hmm. uh, and specifically in regards to Ant-Man and or the Wasp. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's indicated by the posters that they released that Ant-Man will will be present in some sort of capacity uh, in the land. Uh, Like, do you think there's going to be an Ant-Man attraction there? Here in DCA? Um, Yes. I would like it. But I, I don't know. I think we may see someone else be the the star of the show. If anything, I don't know. I that's a good question. It's making me think about you know if we would see this here. I would have thought of Spider Man. If anything, because he's oh, a little bit more popular. Choice. Well, I don't think there's going to be just one new attraction. I think there's going to be at least two. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I don't think if they did Ant Man, it would be stealing the total show. Uh, I just I was thinking about it and I thought about the Bugs Land Theater and how that might be a neat kind of place to install Ant-Man. And, you know, but I don't I don't know if that kind of theater experience show is really the direction that they're going anymore, because, you know, we know about the demise of the Muppets Vision 3D thing and you know, nobody really seems to care whether or not Captain EO ever comes back. And, you know, now that um, it's tough to be a bug is closed. I don't hear anybody really lamenting its downfall either as much as they are all the little kitty attractions in it's a bug's land. Yeah. And, I, you know, the popularity of those shows, you know, the, when I would go into it's tough to be a bug. I mean, it was me and maybe five or six other people usually. You know, it wasn't a very popular attraction. So right. 
I don't know if it's a viable vehicle for future attractions. They would have to really plus it and make it amazing. But, you know, it's a it's a huge area they've got that that attraction and its queue takes up. And but it is kind of already in that direction of, you know, you're walking down into a little bug hole and, you know, technically like shrinking down. So I I don't know. I think it'd be neat to see if if they can incorporate Ant-Man into that. And I was thinking, you know how in Winnie the Pooh that took over the Country Bear Jamboree spot, they have that Easter egg of the animal busts Mm -hmm. above that one entrance when you look behind you. It'd be really cool if they could give us a little flick Easter egg somewhere in it. Because, I mean, if you're going to have an Ant-Man attraction in Bugsland you got to give a nod to Flick, right? At least an ant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. As far as the Easter egg is concerned, I feel that crossing animation properties is easy for them to say, okay, yeah, cool, you know, let's give this one a nod through this one. But MCU to Pixar, I think, is a more broad jump that I don't think they're prepared to make as far as a nod, especially considering... You know, what they've done to, like, the poster at the Starbucks that used to reference the Hollywood Tower. It's Mm -hmm. something that simple. It was a poster that said the Hollywood Hotel. How great would it have been to just leave that and have the nod to the old Tower of Terror? Mm -hmm. And instead, they changed those words on the entire... the, the, The whole poster is the same, but now it says the Carthay Theater. You know, so... I think they're doing uh, their best to have people not necessarily forget about what used to be there, but they really want you to just think about what the future holds as far as Mm -hmm. the properties that are coming into the park. And as far as having an Ant-Man attraction, I think that would be one of the best properties to have there. You know, when you think about some of the Avengers that are exiting and are, you know, coming in, what the next phase for the MCU is going to be. Like, Ant-Man is one of the front men that's going to be part of, you know, the next phase of the MCU, Mm -hmm. including Captain Marvel. Doctor Strange is going to play a big part of that. You know, so as much as I would love to see something like the Iron Man experience, we're not going to get that, you know. Right. to be realistic, we're not going to get that because Iron Man is on his way out. You know, they're concentrating on the f- the next 10 years of the MCU at this point. And you can't concentrate on the next 10 years if you don't start introducing those characters to the people that are going to be watching those films in the future. So mm-hmm. I think the Ant-Man and the Wasp are two of the front runners to get an attraction in the new Marvel area at DCA. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good bet. I think if we were to get a show, I still think Doctor Strange would put a really cool show. Yeah. Something like the one on the cruise lines, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think I'd be tired of that. See, I don't know, though, Hazen. I feel like they have to give some major presence to, like, the original core group. Like, there's got to... Like, you said, you know, that you don't think we'll get the Iron Man experience, but... I feel like there's got to be something from one of those original Avenger characters. But don't you think that they would benefit more from having like a Stark Expo 
type thing where they say like you know here we pay homage to the original avengers who paved the way for all of the upcoming avengers and you have like captain america's shield and mjolnir and Mm -hmm. you know uh, the whatever iron man suit you want to present to the public Mm -hmm. and then you pay homage to those characters but then you're setting the stage for you know after infinity war this and this happened and so you're setting the stage for all the new avengers yeah i mean i i understand that but i feel like that isn't necessarily in keeping with the tradition and history of disney park attractions because they're not always just doing things for you know the new properties you know there there is still uh the idea of presenting the classics uh in attraction form or show form and you know we see a we see a mix of it you know with new frozen attractions but we also see new snow white attractions which with the seven dwarves mine train and all of the beauty and the beast stuff in new fantasy land you know so i don't necessarily think that they're only going to be looking toward the next new thing because as we know with superheroes it's all going to roll over into yet another new thing after that right. you know there'll be a new group of heroes that they'll present and they're not going to just keep remaking uh marvel land or whatever they're going to call it you know every time there's a new set of characters so i feel like they need to have you know one of the original core characters get a major attraction and whether or not that's the stark expo idea you know that's that's an interesting idea um or an attraction i I think they will need to do something mm-hmm. uh, because they, I mean, they, that's the reason that the Marvel MCU is so big, you know, is those four main Avenger characters. Yeah. That's, that's the real main reason. It's great that they've got all these ancillary properties that they've been able to kind of tie into the universe and they've created great movies around these other characters. But when people think of Marvel cinematic universe and they think of you know anything tied to the avengers they think of those four main characters yeah it's like you know the mickey pluto donald goofy of yeah yeah, of marvel so I, i i just feel like they really do need to have one of those yeah i can see what you're saying they i mean that being said i'd rather have a black panther attraction (laughs) well what if there were to be a walkthrough attraction that pays homage to all of the Avengers, the first, you know, the first phase, and have the actual, like, the other attractions based on Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel. And the reason I bring this up is because, um, I know it's not the same thing, but in Hong Kong Disneyland, they're going to have a walkthrough for Nightmare Before Christmas. And what? in each scene, or I should say each segment is a scene from the movie. Which so, is pretty rad, I would say. Right. So imagine if we could have something like that where each segment is to each Avenger. I think that'd be pretty sweet. Hmm. Yeah. I'd walk around Asgard. That would Wakanda. be fun. Wakanda. Wakanda, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that they can do. And at the same time, there's so many things that they can't do because of the space restrictions, right? Well, yeah. space and, like, the rules and... Like, I called it Marvel Land, but isn't one of the rules that they actually can't use the word Marvel? Uh, I think 
in general they're referring to it as a marvel themed area they it's not officially marvel land or anything like that because of some of those restrictions but Hmm. you're right it is going to be an interesting uh, situation when we get to that point and they give it a name and who knows by then all of the contracts that were originally signed that created these limitations maybe they'll be reworked and maybe you know something will be in place where you know they pay some kind of bounty or something on a yearly basis or i don't mm-hmm. know i mean they got lawyers to figure all that stuff out yeah. for them right but right yeah i like the the idea of what you're saying melissa where they have like sections where you visit a location that's specifically based on one of those but then like black panther is not one of the original ones right so, yeah. like, would you limit it to the original six characters? And, I mean, how would you represent, like, the Hulk? You know, like, would you have him in a lab and you, they show him turning into the Hulk? Or, Ooh. I mean, I guess that's what you run into as far as the challenge of how you present each one. The The Stark Expo thing for me, and not just because I'm a huge Iron Man fan, makes sense in, like, in my brain because... Captain America is already walking around. Spider-Man's already walking around. Doctor Strange is already walking around. Black Panther already has a meet and greet. Black Widow already has a meet and greet. Of the original Avengers, like, we still don't see Hulk. I mean, who knows where Hawkeye is? (laughs) Uh, You know, Iron Man is really one of the primary... He's the one that started it all. And he's not represented at all at DCA right now, which is a little disturbing to me. But... If they decided, like you said, Gavin, to really pivot on one of the original Avengers, it would be Iron Man or Tony Stark in general because a lot of the technology mm-hmm. is it's his, right? As far as what they use for weaponry and, you know, Iron Man's shield was created by Tony Stark's father, Howard Stark. And that might be their basis. And maybe from now on, he's the one that's just shouting out commands, you know, to all the new Avengers. And maybe that's how it's mm-hmm. going to work out. He becomes almost like a father figure like he has for Spider-Man. So I got a question. Mm-hmm. So for Hulk, what if they did the same trick as the new little scene in Pirates with the uh, the pirate and the curse and kind of have that where you walk and you kind of see him turn into the Hulk? Yeah, that'd be cool. Ooh. Or... <laughs> Like the skeleton pirate in the Shanghai version of Pirates, where he's a skeleton, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh my gosh, that's so incredible. Such a good effect. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah, there's so many possibilities. I am excited to see what they're going to do with the area. And you're Mm -hmm. right, Kevin, there's so many people that are not lamenting the closure of things like it's tough to be a bug, but the ride's like, well, it's going to happen to Heimlich. It's like, well, he's going in a storage facility. (laughs) He's going to end up in the next Richard Crafts collection. Yeah. (laughs) He's going to end up in the next commercial for Disneyland when the Main Street Electrical Parade returns Mm. or something. (laughs) Again. Well, if you guys have any ideas of what you would like to see as part of the Marvel area, join the conversation over on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and tell us what you would like to see and who you would like to see highlighted. You know, if it's Iron Man, you know, let us know because that's that's who I'm putting my money on. And mm-hmm. it's not much money, Me but, too. you know, it's churro money. So maybe we'll put some churro money down on that one. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's hey, exciting. Before, 
before we move on, I did want to mention I neglected to tell everybody what the name of the Ant-Man and the Wasp attraction is going to be in Hong Kong. It's tough to and be an is, ant. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, it's, it's called Ant-Man and the Wasp Nano Battle. Ooh. Ooh. Which I think is a pretty cool name. So that as is. you enter the attraction, you're going to have a callback to the past, and you're going to hear magnification. Yes! <laughs> and you're going to shrink down. That would be amazing. How great would that be? <laughs> I wonder how many people in Hong Kong would understand that reference, though. Oh, I'm sure that there are some super hardcore Disney fans that would totally uh, yeah, get that I'm reference. sure there are, too. You're right. You're right. Anyway, it opens early next year, so we'll be able to see some more from it, I'm sure, very soon. Oh, yeah. I'm for it. Uh, you know, since we're on the topic of the MCU, you guys remember uh, uh, back in April, I believe, that AMC had done like an MCU marathon kind of as a lead up to Infinity War? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they're doing it again. <laughs> Oh, so, it's getting big now. Yeah, so AMC and IMAX is celebrating Marvel Studios' 10th anniversary uh, with a film festival. And it's going to be on IMAX screens across the U.S. and Canada from August 30th through September 6th. Uh, so the marathon is going to feature all 20 MCU films. It's going to start with Iron Man on Thursday, August 30th. And it's going to end in a very interesting way. They're going to have the fans vote for the final two films of the marathon. Why? Wait, so wait, they're not showing all the films? They're showing all of them, but they're not showing them in order. So they're they're clumping oh. them up, and they're focusing the first couple of days on what they're calling the origins and the team-ups. And then it's going to end on September 6th with two films that people vote on. But eventually they're going to end up showing all 20. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It is very interesting. I so let's break this down though. So you, you they're showing four films each day over the course of five yes. days. So you basically have to be unemployed, or you have to use your week's vacation to pull this off to watch them. Correct. All, right. Right. Like, how many people are actually going to be able to do this? Uh, I hardcores. would say there's going to be a lot of them. Because, I mean, school has started for most people, so it's not like high schoolers with money to blow. It's got to be like, I don't know. People got to request time off from work to even do this, right? That's insanity. I mean, last time we, we kind of joked about the whole, like, if you do it, like, you get the nerd card credits, right? <laughs> yeah. So this is the same. I think this is one of those things where the people that wanted to do it the first time weren't able to do it are going to try because this is going to be on a much larger scale. Last time mm -hmm. it was only, I believe, in Florida and in New York. So the fact that they're showing it on more screens this time, you know, mm -hmm. is I believe is going to help. But I, you're right, dude. It's just way too many films to take time off. Like I would love to do the marathon. We started to as a lead up to Infinity War and just they're so time-consuming because they are three hours yeah. apiece. See, the the thing that interests me about this marathon is, as you all know, I didn't see most of these in the theater. So for me, it would be a chance to go back and revisit a couple that I really enjoyed and actually see them on the big screen this time. So, I mean, that would be what interests me. But, you know, who knows if those are going to be playing at times that I could actually go. 
Well, I mean, if you guys are going to be watching this film festival, let us know and how many you're going to be watching. Because I believe that you can buy tickets for individual films. You don't have to buy it for the entire festival. It's just really whatever mm -hmm. you want to end up watching. So if you yeah. plan on watching any of them, let us know in the comments. Tell us which you chose and why you chose that one as opposed to any of the other ones. Well, the, the ticket price for all of them, isn't it like 50 bucks? The ticket price for all of them is... They do have a bundle package. I don't remember the exact price, but it does seem to be a really good price. You're getting a crazy yeah, good like, deal if you buy the bundle package to watch everything. Right, because even if you saw six or seven of them instead of all 20, it would still be a huge discount. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we'll move on because I, I wanted to talk about some of the effects, I guess, that we see in these types of films. You know, we normally geek out about the animation and, you know, whether it's uh, hand-drawn or whether it's 3D and stuff like that. We like to geek out about the animation that we see in all the Disney films and just films in general, especially when they're really well done. But mm -hmm. the Animation House uh, frame store that had put together a lot of the visual effects for Guardians of the Galaxy, they seem to do a lot of effects for the MCU films. There is a special feature on Infinity War, and I recently saw this video posted where they show some of the effects that they did for Infinity War, including the nanotechnology that covers Tony Stark as the Iron Man suit is being built around him. So mm -hmm. they show like the motion capture and they show that forming around him. And man, visual effects are one thing that I just completely geek over because that is a segment of filmmaking that I would have wanted to be a part of. Like that is what I went to school for that. Like visual effects is what I wanted to do with my life, but that or do 3d animation and work for Pixar. You know, those were the two things that I would love to do. And when I see the things that people are doing with motion graphics, ah, I just, I want to cry because it's so <laughs> well made. And I looked at some of the, the scenes and it's four buildings in a back lot with a bunch of blue screens. And yet you see the finished film and it is blocks and blocks of houses. Like there are mm -hmm. no aerial shots that are true aerial shots, at least in Infinity War. It looks like it's all CG and yet it looks completely real, you know, yeah. and you look at some of the visual effects in Black Panther and there's layered elements of real life with all this CG. And the more that I see what they're capable of, they are truly reaching a point where we're going to, I feel like we're going to get a lot more movies like the jungle book where none of it is going to be filmed in real life locations. They're just going to have some warehouse or some back lot and just the entire thing is just there. And mm -hmm. with characters that are in suits, for instance, like iron man, where you don't really see a lot of the, the character themselves you're reaching that point where you don't really need the actor anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the same idea as robots are taking all of our jobs. They're taking over. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of these, you know, what we consider like special effects movies are more CG than anything nowadays, you know? I mean, you, you it's true that you don't need the actors necessarily to do as much uh, in some of these films. So it's, it is an interesting evolution to watch and to see, 
you know, how it develops. I, I, I'm like you. I, like, I, I geek out over uh, these special effects and the visuals they create for these movies. There, there are still moments in films from, you know, eight, ten years ago that I still can't wait until that scene comes up in the movie that I just, I love the effect that they pull mm-hmm. off. And I, you know, I adore stuff like that. So... I agree. It's interesting to watch the evolution of these things and, and see how they're they're playing out in contemporary filmmaking. I mean, how do you feel like that's going to play a role, like especially in the new Star Wars film? We've already seen what they can do with Tarkin and, mm-hmm. you know, what they've done as far as de-aging people, you know, in Ant-Man and the Wasp and all these other films that we've seen. How big of a role do you think that's going to play in the new Star Wars film? Um... I don't know that it'll play that big of a role. I think, you know, they they gave us a lot of that in Rogue One. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot of mixed reaction to it. And I think they did a good job with it. But I don't know. I feel like that's one of those things that I don't think they're going to whip out just any old time. And unless it's they've got a major and good reason to do it. I don't know. I don't feel like it's going to really be that common of a thing, unless we're talking about like flashbacks where we're going back to a time when characters were younger Then maybe. Uh, I don't know. I like, I think it's, I think it's an interesting thing that they've done in star Wars and Marvel. And, you know, even back with Tron legacy, they did it, you know, in those, cases it serves it serves a purpose but i don't know that there's a purpose for it that i can really see in the next star wars film i'll give you a reason okay uh yeah i'd love to hear it leia but how but what do you mean when you say that like what exactly are you gonna see she's still planned for the next film okay so you're saying they're just gonna create an animated version of her as she existed up until her death yeah I mean, they can. They certainly have the technology to do that. I don't think the Star Wars fandom would be cool with that in any way. Of course. And (laughs) they have felt the brunt of, you know, fan negative reaction ever since Solo and the... Uh, the last Jedi keep going further back. (laughs) So, well, I mean, no, but I mean, I'm talking about the recent backlash is from, you know, those two films and mostly the last Jedi. And I don't know that they want to risk further alienating the core of their business. And I feel like if they decided to animate Leia, Mm -hmm. they would do just that. And, I mean, she's like the Mother Mary of the Star <laughs> yeah. Wars universe, you know? I mean, <laughs> it's like, that's sacred. And, you, you know, you don't, you don't tread on that to a lot of these people. And I feel like if they did that, man, I don't know. I mean, Star Wars is Star Wars, and they're going to make a billion dollars just by rolling out any old crap because it's Star Wars and it's huge. But I feel like as the capper to the the full saga over nine films you know they're i don't i don't see them taking that risk i understand your thinking on that but 
they've got to find a better, different way to send Leia off than animating her, I think. Well, that was the reason I brought up that question. Uh, Melissa's concerns are, I think, what a lot of us have thought about. And like I said, they've gotten to the point where things look so good that, mm-hmm. you know, we've we've made mention of the Uncanny Valley before. And for those that are unfamiliar with the Uncanny Valley, it's just this segment of animation where things look pretty real, but not real enough where there's just something that makes you uncomfortable and makes your brain believe that it's not fully 100% real. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of animation, especially of, you know, quote unquote, real life characters that you can tell there's something disturbing about them. And depending on who you ask, they'll tell you something like there's no soul in that character, you know, Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, well, I mean, Jar Jar is a whole different story because Jar Jar is like an alien type character. I'm talking really about the human features, like the ones that are supposed Mm -hmm. to be full-blown human. And uh, Tarkin was one of those baffling moments in the Uncanny Valley where if you're fairly versed with an animation background and see enough of it that there was just one to two percent that made you think is this real like where did they get this footage from especially Mm -hmm. if you didn't know about the character or you didn't know the history of the character you may have felt something slightly unsettling of how he was portrayed in the film as compared to the other characters but Mm -hmm. to the people that know the star wars story they know that the character that plays uh that role has been been deceased for quite some time so there was no way that they could have gotten this footage and so those mm-hmm. people knew that something had to be done like they didn't just put together all this like unseen footage they knew that it was animated or somebody was you know dressed to look like him or something and uh, i mean that is a prime example of how good this technology is getting and it's it's a little scary right not mm-hmm. Not because it's going to put actors out of work or anything, but because you can essentially animate these people to say and do whatever you want them to say at this point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they're going to use this level of animation technology to portray Leia in the next film, and they're going to do it just in tiny little flashes, you know, like if they're trying to, you know, tell us how she, you know, passed away then and they're just showing little glimpses you know just a flash of her face or you know even her in silhouette or from behind you know in quick moments where they're just kind of running through a scene to show you how it all went down i can see that but what i'm talking about is i don't think they should animate her in you know full scenes with other characters where she's having dialogue and you know she's an actual character in this film right you know, if they're yeah. going to do it to serve the purpose of showing us her send off, then OK, I, I can see that. But as a full character, as part of the plot of this next film, I, no, I don't think they can do that and get away with it. I, I really don't. Agree. And I, I agree. I totally agree. I, I don't think I personally don't want to see her like I just want to see little snippets. That'll be fine. Even if it's like three quarters of the face or something, you know, I, I don't want and I I mean, I'm I'm sure everybody else is probably not going to want that either. But mm-hmm. 
Yeah, little little things like that, little subtle things would be fine. Yeah, I would prefer they don't do it at all. <laughs> Me personally, yeah. I would yeah. prefer nothing at yeah. all. I would prefer that they open the film and in the rolling credits or, you know, the rolling title that they just tell you, like, as we know, Leia survived what was wrong with her, but now she didn't. And they just explain mm-hmm. that General Organa has now passed and then they just leave it at that. And if they use old footage, that's how she's in the new movie. I think I would be mm-hmm. more comfortable with that because it just yeah. feels like a cash grab when they do otherwise. Right. I would actually I like that. I like that idea better because she gets the fanfare and the, the beginning. And I think that's just grand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you guys are Star Wars fans, let us know what you guys think about this because it's a sticky situation that they've gotten yeah. themselves into. <laughs> and totally. it's like we totally understand the whole what they're doing to set up, you know, the next phase of Star Wars and set up new characters and kind of get you into the next era of Star Wars fandom. But you're right, Gavin. They've alienated so many of the current fans that you have to find a way to satisfy you know, this story and these characters that they've been following for decades now. And you can't Mm -hmm. just, you know, throw something in their face and feel like they're going to be okay with it. You have to find a way to bridge the gap in a better way that's going to satisfy both needs. And it's it's J.J. Abrams that's directing this next one, right? That's correct. So I've heard many people say, and I will reiterate that I agree, that if J.J. Abrams finds a way to create a story that will bridge that gap and fill in so many of the plot holes that people have been upset with, he is the most genius director of all time. (laughs) King nerd. Yeah, king nerd, exactly. (laughs) Um, Side note, uh, I know we're talking about animation and how it can be a totally bad thing, but can I tell you how it's a totally good thing? Yes. So there is a series of three cartoons that are being to get that are being put together by disney studios right now they're called baymax dreams mm-hmm. and baymax dreams to me is one of the most exciting projects that the disney company is working on right now for a couple of reasons one is at its core the Disney company is all about experimenting. And from the very first time that we saw Walt and his animators experiment with a multiplane camera, you Mm -hmm. know, to create films, it's always been about how do we get to that next level of animation and creating these animated features that's going to Mm -hmm. give us an upper edge. The thing about what uh, Disney animation is doing right now with Baymax Dreams, it's, it isn't new. I, I do want to say that. It's not a new technology. There are companies like ED Films and The Mill that are already using these types of techniques to create animations. They're essentially using something called the Unreal and the Unity game engines to do real-time mm-hmm. rendering of digital humans. So as you are animating, you don't have to wait hours, days, weeks, or months to see what something is going to look like and then start over when you figure out, oh, that movement was horrible. This is kind of a breakthrough in animation and having the Unity engine integrated in how Disney does their filmmaking, I think is going to, one, expedite the way that they put films out, but at the same time kind of worries me 
because it feels like they'll be able to see their mistakes and hash out so many films that we might lose a little bit on the storytelling side. Yeah, I could see that as a possible pitfall. Uh, it is exciting, though, because, you know, what that what that really says to me is that television animation has now a potential to be truly visually on par with feature films. Mm -hmm. And that excites me a lot. And that's one of the reasons I've never been a big uh, fan or follower of cartoons on TV. It's just because, you know, the quantity necessitates that the quality goes down a little bit visually. Mm -hmm. And this kind of allows for a world in which that may not necessarily be the case. And that gets me really excited. So, you know, on that level, I think that's great. Um, I, I see what your concerns are, though, about wow, if we can crank these out really fast and efficiently, let's do it to sell more tickets and maybe less goes into development and story. And I would hope that, you know, the Disney and Pixar companies would want to maintain a certain quality standard and not let that happen. But, you know, money is a very powerful thing. So we don't know <laughs> what uh, temptations might lie within this uh, format. The thing that I find fascinating about it, though, is that this is kind of the first time that I can uh, pinpoint that the gaming industry is now driving innovation within the animation industry. Right. And, you know, it's always kind of gone the other way. But it makes sense that these gaming engines have gotten so powerful. And, yeah, they have to render and represent things immediately as you move your controller through, you know, whatever world you're playing in. And it makes sense to transition that back into the world of animation. Right. And that that's fascinating. And, that, you know, again, one of the reasons I was not an early adopter of video games is because I was unimpressed with the visuals. And it wasn't until things got really visually pleasing to me that I began playing video games. It's when you started playing Fortnite, right? I've never played Fortnite. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I probably would though, if I was still into gaming. Um, but yeah, I, I just find it all fascinating. You know, it, video games for the most part are pieces of animation and it, it's cool to see those worlds, the technological side of those worlds colliding again. Mm -hmm. And one influencing the other so uh, that was very long-winded but i i this gets me really excited you know i watched some behind the scenes footage of what they're doing with this baymax dreams uh series and i can't wait to actually see them once they're complete yeah gavin said everything that was perfect so i'm like i'm sorry i no, took everything good. for myself <laughs> no no i i enjoyed it i was just so into it and yeah yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's it's such a cool idea. It is. We've been very super hero heavy on this episode. Well, sorry, buddy. It's all it's all good. It's all been interesting. We're gonna wean you in. <laughs> We're gonna wean you in. There are some things I like. Right. What you said about how the gaming industry has begun to influence the animation world, uh, I thought was also interesting. When you think about what it used to take to render something like this how many mm -hmm. hours and years it took. Look what you can do on an iPhone or on a yeah. Samsung phone these days. Like the that small device for most people is their personal computer. 
and the computing power that is in those devices can pull off amazing things. Like a lot of these games mm-hmm. that people are playing, like Fortnite, for instance, it requires some pretty decent you know, hardware power in order to render everything that's going on. And uh, it, it is exciting to see. Like I am just super excited to see like Kingdom Hearts, for instance, you know, when it comes out in January, when the first one came out, I was so impressed with the graphics on its own because it was anything I had seen. It was unlike anything I had ever seen before. The animation mm-hmm. was just superb. And now when I saw the previews for the new Kingdom Hearts coming out on PS4, it, it looks fantastic. Just the skin <laughs> textures and the hair textures. I mean, I understand that they're animatics and that they're that they're rendered that way. But to know that we're going into a space where you could live render something like that and see the immediate Mm -hmm. changes, you could get to the point where you can just do motion capture for cartoons and have people acting out the cartoons in real time. You could, that would be we could fun. really have people dropping safes on other people's heads. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly <laughs> what you want. I mean, the Simpsons experimented with this not too long ago, right? They had done, I forgot what it was for, but I remember that for one of the episodes, Homer was live. He was being motion captured and it was a live broadcast of the episode. And he hmm. was essentially live responding to people's reactions i believe on twitter i'd have to do a little bit more research on it because i don't remember the exact details but this is already something people are experimenting with and that might be the next phase like so many people are into animated series and we're getting so good at it that you know what if we don't get tv shows that are live what if we get animated series that are live wow that would be insane. It'd be crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. If you guys want to check out Baymax Streams, it hasn't premiered yet. It's going to be on Disney's YouTube channel and on Disney Now, uh, which is available for iOS or Android beginning September 15th. So just mark your calendars. We'll put up a reminder on the Instagram and uh, Twitter, Facebook posts so you guys know when it's finally available. But Uh, Like Gavin said, we saw the behind the scenes on this and it just looks great. I I was salivating the whole time just knowing that this technology (laughs) is being implemented by Disney now. Mm -hmm. And yes, I know it's not new. I already mentioned that, but I'm glad that (laughs) Disney's doing it because I love me some Disney stuff. And I want to see them get better. Yeah. Be better. Right. Heck yeah. <laughs> so to bring it full circle, do we think we're going to see any big Hero 6 elements with the Marvel expansion in DCA? Probably not. Oh, that's a bummer. Probably not. If, I wish we would. If anything, Same. I think they'll bring back like the Baymax meet and greet once they figure mm-hmm. out how not to have a guest pop Baymax. <laughs> and then they'll probably put him in Tomorrowland for a while again because mm. they desperately need stuff like that in Tomorrowland until Tomorrowland gets a rehaul. Yeah. But as far as DCA is concerned, I do think they're going to keep it very centric to the uh, to the general MCU. Mm-hmm. And who knows? We might even see some of the newer characters that they're acquiring as part of the Fox deal. Like, who knows if we're not going to get, like, a Fantastic Four meet and greet in that area. Yeah. We'll see. That could be cool. Yeah. So... It's interesting. I'm looking forward to D23 and all of the announcements that are coming. Uh, Oh, yeah. I think tickets will go on sale for D23 on August 23rd. 
Mm-hmm. So if you guys are interested, uh, by the time that this episode is released, uh, the day after, I believe, is when the tickets will go on sale. So if you guys are going to be at D23, leave us a comment. Maybe we'll plan like a little meetup for yeah. one of the days at D23 and we'll just hang out and have some pizza or something. We'll figure nice. it out. Nice. So I like it. Uh, all right, let's shift out of the MCU. Gavin's like, oh, these superheroes, oh, MCU, what is all this about? So let's let's talk about Pixar Fest. Yeah. Okay. Pixar Fest is coming to an end very soon. Uh, we did get the news that the Coco stuff, all the shows and everything that we saw last year are going to be coming back to DCA. Yay. What do you guys think worked about Pixar Fest would you like to see something like this again? And what did you think didn't work about it? Melissa, let's start with you. <laughs> what did work? Paint the Night came back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Preach. That was that was one of the best things. But um, I really enjoyed the fireworks and the food that they had here. Just all the little fun things that you, you know, the new stuff. And I, I'm still going to keep saying this. I didn't know how much I really loved Pixar if it weren't for Pixar Fest. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think I've seen fire- the fireworks about, what, three, four times. And I've cried in all the times. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Is it the Miguel part that gets you? That and seeing uh, Carl and Ellie's house. Oh, yeah. Gosh darn it. I it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is uh yeah, that kicks you in the feels pretty hard. It does. It really really does. But um we got a lot of cool things out of it out of Pixar Fest. Lamplight Lounge. Mhm. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was awesome. Adorable snowman. Num num cookies. But those mm, delicious. Do you think that those are more of a result of Pixar Pier and not Pixar Fest? True. Right. Yeah, good point. But um yeah, paint the night and just the fireworks. Yeah. Sorry to say Pixar Play Parade. Eh, that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> fun countdown to fun. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Gavin, what about you? Uh, you know, it's it's been a fun summer. It really has. I, I haven't partaken in all of the Pixar Fest things. You know, I, I haven't seen the fireworks yet. Don't kill me, everybody. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to try my best over the next couple of weeks before it ends to see it. Um, I feel like a lot of the fest has been focused on food offerings. Yeah. And even there, I haven't tried a lot of the food. Uh, but I, I I do still really love that temperamental taste shifting corn dog. I thought that was really cool. Uh, but I think my favorite thing that was actually Pixar Fest, um, it was actually part of Pixar Fest, was that musical act. The and I'm trying to remember what they were called. The Pixar Monic Orchestra is that what they were called? Yeah, the Pixar Monic Orchestra. And yeah, the Pixar, the Pixar play, Monic- the play area or the Pals area. Yes. So that little music act that they put together where they do kind of a, a little bit of a silly, almost vaudeville version of, Triple you know, we'll a bunch <laughs> of, yeah, a bunch of Pixar songs. 
I thought that was great. You know, it's always neat to see the live performances in Disneyland. They bring so much musical talent to the parks. You know, just getting to see people uh, perform live is always a treat. And that little lineup that they put together and the show that they created was really entertaining. I've watched that several times. Uh, So that was probably my favorite highlight of actual Pixar Fest. I do like... um, that they gave us a new soundtrack for the Esplanade, mm-hmm. um, you know, to listen to. Uh, you know, I the good dinosaur. I have a lot of You're those, right. a lot of those Coco. songs rolling around in my <laughs> head all summer because of that. Um, but you know, I, I do want to say that I, after the initial excitement of like the first week or so. And if you're not standing in the Esplanade looking at one of the entrances and hearing the music, I didn't feel like throughout the park it felt like it was like a Pixar festival, you know? I feel like if you went to certain little isolated areas, you felt it. But I don't know. There was, there, there, it's not like, you know, the Halloween season at the park where everywhere you go, you, you feel right. it and you know you're in that season. So I felt like it was a little bit underwhelming in some regards. But, you know, kind of to piggyback on what Melissa said, the, the real highlight of the summer for me wasn't specifically Pixar Fest, but it is Pixar, and that's the Lamplight Lounge. And that's been my favorite thing to partake in and enjoy this summer and explore. That, that to me, still is the crown jewel of the Pixar Pier uh, redo or plussing. Right. Yeah. You know, I... I have to agree with you on what you said about it just didn't really feel like Pixar Fest outside of Pixar Pier and maybe a couple of sections in Tomorrowland, especially when you went over to Pizza Port. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that was not necessarily a fail, but maybe it was by design. You know, they didn't want it to necessarily feel like Pixar Fest at Disneyland. They just wanted you to feel like it was Pixar Fest at Pizza Port. You know, mm-hmm. because on, on you know, along the same lines, I think one of the things that I think failed the most was, you know, you gave us the aliens and there was so much having to do with the aliens. And this was, I, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, this was the prime time to add those alien claw games around the park. Agreed. If oh, yeah. ever there was a time to have a claw game at Disneyland or DCA so somebody can get a squishy alien toy, yes. this was mm-hmm. it. And it was a major yep. fail that they didn't have that in my eyes. <laughs> but I agree. And they don't even sell them. That's the other thing. Like, the fact that you can't walk into a store and buy a squishy alien, like, that, I, why? Mm-hmm. That and the fact that the pier itself wasn't fully open and it wasn't fully brought to life the way that we expected it to. There's still so much construction going on and it just really did feel rushed. And just because of the fact that they were trying to uh, line it up with the release of The Incredibles 2, they did what they could with The Incredicoaster just to get that done and they had the Edna meet and greet. But... Had it not been for The Incredibles 2, I think they would have postponed the whole thing and said, well, let's open it 2019 instead and really Mm -hmm. give people a Pixar Pier experience. I feel that Pixar Pier won't really give you that entire experience until everything is in place. Yeah, I agree. That, I think, was kind of a fail on its own. 
Uh, as far as what I think uh, worked, the I, I agree with Melissa, the fireworks. And yes, I enjoy Paint the Night coming back. There's still a little weirdness for me seeing Paint the Night at California Adventure versus Disneyland. <laughs> but it works. You know, it, it works. And the fireworks, though, that is just on the top of my list of what works. And by the way, also what doesn't work, the fact that Mickey's still on the fun wheel. Called it the Pixar <laughs> Pal Around. It's still the fun wheel if Mickey's face is on it. You know what also didn't work? But when you're on the Pixar Pier side, when you're in Pixar Pier, you can't see Yeah, him. you see the back of it. You're right. You see <laughs> so, the back of Mickey's outline. What also didn't work, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, remember that little dance that the cast members were doing before Paint the Night actually oh, started? yes. That did not last. And yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, cast members, for all of you that had to do that. Uh, do the lasso like Jesse. Fly oh, like no. Buzz, or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just it didn't fit. <laughs> That's funny. Nah. I'm sorry, cast members that had to do that. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't my idea, but I'm sorry for you. <laughs> so did either of you get any Pixar Fest souvenirs? No. Yeah. What? No, I haven't gotten anything Pixar Fest related. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised. Hmm. What did you get, Melissa? Um, well, I will show you. I got the, whoopsies, the Luxo lamp and the... Oh, the straw. Yeah, this okay. little thing. Cool, cool. Um, oh. I ended up getting the um, the cocoa mug. I actually ended up giving it to my mom. Ooh, so that's cool. It's all right. <laughs> it made a great Mother's Day gift. So Nice. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't... I, oh, and Mike and Sully, the Sully popcorn bucket and the Mike sipper. And then you got the cocoa hoodie. Yes. And you know what? I haven't seen it be restocked. I kind of feel like that was before Pixar Fest. And nope. then they uh, replaced it with Pixar Fest merchandise. Yes. Because you're I right. started looking for that right after you got it and it, it was, wasn't anywhere. Yeah. It was right before Knickknacks became yeah. official. Ah, got mm-hmm. it. Got mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm sad. Well, then I guess I guess we did get some Pixar Fest stuff. I personally didn't, but Lynette did get the cocoa mug. Oh, cool! Yeah, so she got that, and then the boys got the alien straws. Oh, nice. yeah. Yeah, so they got that. I wanted the alien popcorn bucket, but Same. the the hype beast posted those on eBay ridiculous yeah so within hours of the release they were completely sold out and i did not get a chance to get one so anybody that hmm. did pff, you're lucky is <laughs> <laughs> not what he really wanted to say right that is the pg version of how hazen felt about that <laughs> well i came away with andy's boot oh, or oh woody's yes. boot Woody's boot, which says Andy on the bottom from the boot beer float. And I'm very glad I got that. I think it was a cool, cool souvenir they came up with. That was one of the things on my list that I wanted to get. But um, yeah, I don't know why I didn't get it. Oh, I know. Because the two times I tried to go, they said they were out of stock. Oh. Yeah, we Same tried to get it twice. Yeah, yeah. They we tried twice and they said they were out of stock. And they said, "But you can get the root beer float." I was like, "That's not the point. That's not why I want it. <laughs> I don't want it for the root beer float. I want it for the boot." 
Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember now. Yeah, they, there are some cool things available at Knickknack, and there's some uh, a lot of the cool new uh, plush toys that they have, like mm-hmm. for La Luna and the Wally and Eves that they have. I mean, those are all pretty standard plush toys that you can buy at a Target or something. But right. it's nice to see them in the general games area. But, yeah, I mean, there was so much more potential that I think Pixar Fest had in general. And like I said, the fact that so much of it was still under construction and the fact that they did kind of rush it to coincide with The Incredibles 2, I just feel like it would have been better to hold off at least another six months. Yeah, Yeah. I, I tend to agree. And, you know, the fact that the rollout schedule is pretty protracted like jesse's carousel doesn't come out until like middle of next year i think yeah and i don't Mm -hmm. even think they've released a a real timeline of when the inside out attraction is going to be in place so it is it is strange that they would kind of roll that out in pieces but on the other hand it makes a little bit of sense because they're not really creating a new land they're just creating new versions of existing attractions you right. know they're just kind of plussing or reskinning and you know so they don't have to like remake the pier exactly they just have to update attractions so they can do it piece by piece and keep most of it open most of the time yeah so on a functionality level it makes sense but you know as as fans we we kind of would prefer that total reveal all at once. Like, ooh, here it is, yeah. the brand new yeah. Pixar Pier. But now we kind of get to see half-baked Pixar Pier. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine what it would have been like to get Cars Land in pieces. Oh, yeah. It would not be the same at all. Yeah. But, you know, that, that, that those are worlds apart. You know, the theming in Pixar Pier is, you know, it's it's about how the decorations of a pier are themed, not how the actual land itself is themed, you know? Right. You're not stepping into a different world. You're just walking out onto a pier with Pixar decorations. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. So it's, it's a little bit apples and oranges, but yeah, your point is well taken. All right, guys. Well, we want to hear from you guys, you know, Pixar fest is coming to an end in September and we are going to make way for Halloween time, but what did you guys like about Pixar Fest? I mean, was it a souvenir that you got? Was it an experience that you had? Was it one of the meet and greets? Or was it the Pixarmonic Orchestra, like Gavin was talking about? By the way, if you guys haven't seen that video that we posted on YouTube of the Pixarmonic Orchestra, I'm going to put it in the blog post for this episode, podcasters.com slash 218. I put the entire set there. It's like Gavin said, it's such a fun set that they do. It's very vaudevillian. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, I like it. That triple dent gum song is going to be stuck <laughs> in your head for weeks again after you hear it. But it's so fun. It's totally worth it. Check out the blog post if you guys want to see that video. Uh, and again, we just want to hear from you. So join the conversation over on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. Tell us what you guys liked about Pixar Fest and what you didn't like. Yeah. And, uh, if you've had that num num cookie, how many times have you had it? <laughs> well, let's see who's had it the most times. Because well, whoever beats one has beat me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know there's plenty of people that haven't had a chance to have it, but we gotta fix that. We gotta go to the park and get you a num num cookie. Totally. Because you know, Cha Cha want a cookie. 
<laughs> All right, guys. I think that is going to end this episode. Anything else we want to bring up before we close up for today? No, but I just want a num num cookie now. I know. <laughs> Forget about lunch. Let's go get a num num cookie. Let's. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, once again, I want to remind you that if you are listening to this on launch day or any day before the Chalk Walk, which is happening on August 26th, make sure that you head on over. And if you're able to give any type of donation, $1, $2, $5, $10, every little bit helps towards our Chalk Walk goal and to help the Children's Hospital of Orange County. Again, huge thanks to everybody that's taking the time to donate towards our cause. If you guys want to help out the podcast, a great way to do that is by becoming a fairy godparent, or as they like to call themselves, the FGP squad. You can head on over to podcasters.com slash FGP for a list of our current fairy godparents and a link and more information on how you can become a fairy godparent. To all of the FGP squad, thank you guys for helping make episodes of Podcasters possible. If you guys want to help us out in a slightly different way, you can always use our Amazon link. Head over to podcasters.com slash Amazon before your next purchase. Click on the link. It'll take you to Amazon. You can make your purchase. And if you use our link, we get a small commission from Amazon as a thank you uh, because you went through those additional steps. To everyone that's going through our link, thank you guys very much. It does help at the end of the month, so we just want to tell you that we appreciate your time. And if you guys want to follow any of us, you can find all of our social links over on podcasters.com slash team. There you'll find uh, our Instagrams, our Facebooks, our Twitters, all that good stuff, our favorite Disney characters. Let us know if any of our favorite Disney characters jive with what your favorite Disney character is. And if you guys liked last week's episode, let us know because uh, we had a lot of fun doing the Would You Rather game. And I know some people on Instagram were talking about how much they enjoyed it as well. So if there's any questions that you want to pose for us for the next Would You Rather game, send us an email to comments at podcasters.com or just post it on Instagram, Twitter, or on Facebook. Give us a challenge and then we'll create a brand new game. And, you know, maybe next month, once we've aggregated some questions, we'll have round two of Would You Rather. Listener nice. edition. Listener edition, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we'll let you guys come up with the questions for the next version of that. So let us know what you want us to would you rather. That's not English. I'm not even sure. You guys know what I'm saying. I'm hungry. I need tacos. Words. And a num-num cookie. You know what? Let's just end the episode. That's where we're going to end it on. So that's it. Until next week, here is to be your shoes and Mickey ears. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Bye, everyone. Ba la 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 la. <laughs> yes! <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs>